Hey, good evening, everybody. Hey. It's great to be with you tonight. Thanks for being here. Hope everybody's having a good spring term. I heard some people saw an eagle today. It's spring term. That's the kind of thing that doesn't happen during the semester, you know? Um, I am really glad that you're here on our, on our last week. We call it our last. Re- we have, like, the next three weeks are all the last, so no one freak out. But this is our last regular large group. Next week is... Uh, is our senior night. If you are if you are a senior, be on the lookout from a uh, for an email from me about uh, details for sharing. But I encourage you guys to come out and support our seniors next week and to hear from them. They're going to chance to share with us a little about their own experience and uh, any wisdom for us youngsters who will be remaining after they depart from us. So I'm looking forward to that. It's always a special night. And then the following Tuesday is our hoedown, end of the year bluegrass and barbecue hoedown. So should be a good good time. We're spending these uh, these first couple weeks. Uh, because it is the season of Easter, uh, the season where we celebrate the risen Lord, looking at a couple of stories from the Gospel of John of uh, encounters with the risen Lord. And so we talked last week about the story of Doubting Thomas, uh, the, the disciple who said he wouldn't believe it unless he saw it, and the way that the Lord drew near to him in the midst of his doubts, in the midst of his questions. Uh, and today, we're gonna, the, the season we're going to look at another story that you probably are really familiar with from John 21. So uh, if you have your handout, it's on there. It's John 21, 1 through 14, or you can look in your Bible if you brought it. But please read along with me as I read. Jesus has, uh, has died. He's risen again from the dead. He's already appeared to his disciples two different times. Uh, this is the third time that that happens, starting in, in chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the, to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast a net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Let me pray. We'll get started. Lord Jesus, I'm grateful for this day. I'm grateful that the sun came out and it warmed up. I'm grateful for the, the pace of life of this season and that we're getting to enjoy each other, getting to enjoy being outside, getting to enjoy a class. Uh, we turn our attention to your word now because we need you. And I pray that your spirit would be at work through it right now so we might know you and love you more and love one another. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start tonight by asking you 
to consider the moment in your life that was the most intense spiritual experience of your life. The most intense moment or experience spiritually for you in your life. When, when I was in high school, I, was a, I went and did work crew at a Young Life campus where high school kids go and volunteer to work. And other high school kids come and they do this, these week-long outreach camps. And I was a, a dining hall server at Windy Gap outside of Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, as, as the course of the week went along, kids are playing and having a good time and doing all this fun stuff. And they're also hearing these series of talks that are introducing them to the person of Jesus and kind of building up to this presentation of the gospel. And the, the second to last night, they hear about uh, sin, the, the problem of our sin and debt and that, that we are deserving of death. And then the last night, they hear the good news of the cross that in God's great love, he sent Jesus Christ to die so that we might be made whole and made right with him. And, and what, they, what this camp would do is that after, you, uh, after they had the talk, they would ask everybody to be quiet, to not make any sound, and they would send them out into the camp, and you would just sort of find a spot and be quiet for 15 minutes. So you, know, you can imagine some people are just thinking about things. Some people are praying. Some people are coming to faith in Jesus for the first time. Some people are just going back to their cabins and hanging out. Like People are all over the place, right? Uh, and what would normally happen is at the end of the 15 minutes, they would ring a bell and everyone would know to go back to their cabin time to talk. But when this particular month, some guys had decided that instead of ringing the bell, uh, all of the staff, so it's the, the high school work crew, that's the college age people, your age people who are working, and then all the other staff, about 100 people, were going to go up on the top of this hill and sing a song, sing this worship song called Shout to the Lord, which you may know. And so uh, each night on the Friday night of camp, we would go to club, and then we would go and pray, and then we would go up and walk up this hill and just start singing. And it's a, it's a really intense moment because you've just, you've just been re-reminded of the, the good news of the gospel, and you are just hoping and praying that God is at work in people's lives, and then we're just on top in the moonlight singing these songs. Uh, this, the second week that we did this is four different weeks. Instead of people hearing the music and starting to go back to their cabins, people started walking up the hill to join us, like hundreds of students uh, and their leaders just started walking up the hill and they were just standing with us and if they knew the song they started they started to sing along with us and it was just one of those moments where the nearness of God is really undeniable and the song ends and there's tears and there's hugging and uh, you're kind of looking at each other and you don't know what to say but you have that smile on your face like yeah I feel it do you feel that like yeah I feel that uh, it's, it's one of those moments that I have uh, that, that reminds, it's not really a mountaintop experience, it's more of a hilltop experience, technically speaking, uh, of, of that, that surge of emotion of joy, that surge of emotion of the presence of God. Have you, have you ever had an experience like that? My guess is that some of you have had experiences like that. My guess is that some of you have never had experiences like that. I don't, I don't know. But I, I, I'm talking about that tonight because uh, the question that comes up is, uh, is this. A- after you've had an experience like that, believing in God is easy. When you've had an experience like that, loving God is easy. When you've had an experience like that, the desire to follow and walk with God in your life is easy. It's easy that day. But what about the next day? What about the next week? What about the next month? What about the next year? What about when you're just having an ordinary day? just an everyday going through the motions kind of day. And that sense that you had of how near God is has faded and that easy love of God and following of God has faded. That, what, what we're seeing in this story tonight is people who have had these intense experiences with Jesus and now it's just ordinary. 
And we're going to see that Jesus is really near to us in the ordinary moments of our life. So what, what I want to see is this. I, I want to look at this. I want to look at a common day in this story, a close Savior, and a confident labor. A common day, a close Savior, and a confident labor. So first, a, uh, a common day. We're not told exactly how many days have gone by at this point, but uh, this is a group of people who are all friend, personal friends of Jesus who were, who were there when he was arrested, who were there when he died, and who have seen him after he's raised from the dead. And so you can imagine that they've gone through this intense emotional roller coaster in the past week or so of their life. They've felt pain and heartache and joy and confusion and disorientation and excitement and sadness like in, in these various moments. And, and we come to this moment now where Peter, who's sort of the leader of the disciples at this point, decides that he's going to do something really, really common. And he says, I'm going to go fishing. And about six other disciples say, we'll, we'll come with you. And it's important to remember this is not a recreational or leisure activity. Like, these are professional fishermen. The sons of Zebedee, James and John, those are the people who, at the beginning of the Gospels, Jesus said, hey, leave your nets and come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Like, these are people who, before they met Jesus, were professional fishermen. That's how they provided for themselves. That's how they ate. That's how they fed their families. And so at the end of this story, you've got these guys who were just kind of going back to what they know, going back to their ordinary thing, going back uh, to fishing. And, And I don't know why they did this. I don't know if they were just bored that day and didn't have anything else going on. I don't know if they were thinking, like, what do we do next? Like, Jesus died, Jesus rose from the dead, now what do we do? Uh, I don't know if they just, like, needed food. I, I don't know why they go fishing, but they decide to go fishing. And, and I think that this is in the Bible because God wants us to learn how to pay attention to the common parts of our life, to the ordinary parts of our life, to the everyday, same old, same old, Moments. I think this is, this is actually really hard for college students because college is the best four years of your life. Everything is epic, right? Everything is legendary. Everything is a story. It's, I mean, especially spring term, right? I mean, everything, you're not supposed to have any ordinary days here at Washington and Lee anyways, I think, probably. And so it's actually really important for us to, to reckon with the, the reality that our life is filled with many more common and everyday and boring moments than we might like to admit. That every day you got to eat meals and most of the time you eat them in the same space as you ate them in the day before. And every day you're going to class, or most days at least in spring term, and every day you got to do some reading, and every day you're sleeping, and every day you're going through the same routines. We actually spend most of our time doing things that are ordinary and common and everyday, Right? And not only that, but the, the disciples are, are also pretty disappointed right now because they didn't, they didn't catch any fish. So can you imagine, like, you need fish to live and you go out all night long in a boat and you don't catch a single fish? Like, you're just not in a great mood, probably. You're probably not singing hymns on the way into shore, right? A little disappointed, a little tired, and a little exhausted, and, and the encouragement for us is that in these common moments, in these day-to-day moments, and even in moments of disappointment, even, in, even when we wish our experience, even our experience with our relationship with God would be a little more epic, a little more memorable, a little more special, that Jesus draws near to us. He draws near to us. And, that, and, that's, and that's the second point is that we have a close, we see a close 
Savior here. We see Jesus coming and inviting us in a common moment into life with him. It's, it's a weird story because what's happening is a very big deal. Like they're encountering the risen Savior, the one who died to save them and who conquered death. So it's like a big deal, and yet they're having breakfast. So it's really weird. It's really ordinary. It's really common, right? They have breakfast. They have breakfast every day. Uh, and what happens is that uh, they're in the boat, and they don't really know what's going on. This guy shouts to them, and then they don't have any fish, and then they listen to him. They don't know who it is yet. They catch the fish. Peter still doesn't know what's going on. And John, his friend, says, it's the Lord. Peter dives into the water. Like he's, it's like Forrest Gump when he sees Lieutenant Dan, and he's just so excited to see him. Like he just can't get to shore fast enough, right? And he dives in, and they bring the rest, and they get there, and they're going to have breakfast with Jesus. Like it's so simple. It's, it's so ordinary. One of the things I love about this is that Jesus already has some fish on the fire. Like the fire's going, and there's bread, and there's fish already cooking. But he says to the disciples, bring some of the fish that you have caught. Why do you think he does that? He's already got fish. I don't, I, don't know how, I don't know if Jesus went fishing earlier and he's just really good at it. I don't know if Jesus conjured them out of thin air and made them by the word of his power like he made the world. I don't know. But Jesus has already got fish. He doesn't need their fish, and yet he asks them to bring some fish. And I think what we're getting here is some insight into one of the true realities of what it means to have a relationship with God. Then you, in our relationship with God, we, we neither initiate our relationship nor are we just passive recipients of it, but we're actually invited to participate in life with him. And that, that's you and Jesus. Jesus doesn't need your time. He doesn't need your energy. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your kindness and your charity. He doesn't need it. Jesus is completely sufficient to do whatever work he wants to do in the world. And yet... Because he loves life with us, because he loves us, he actually invites us to participate. He invites us to bring what we have. He invites us to offer what, what we have. This is really important. It means, that, it means that everything that you do in your life is something spiritual. It means that every little ordinary moment where you're just going through the motions is something spiritual. Because it means that Jesus is close to you when you're doing your homework and when you're eating breakfast and when you're reading in the library and when you're going for a run and when you're playing disc golf. Tomorrow we're playing at 2.30-ish. It means he's with us. He wants to be with us. He invites us in all of these moments to experience closeness with him. One of the things that happens when you have kids is you just have their stuff, their accessories uh, on and around you all the time. I I can remember uh, a day a few a few months ago, I was coming in from the car and you're just you're carrying kids. I have four little kids. If you guys see my know know my kids, Uh, coming in the car, we're carrying kids, we're carrying all their stuff. And at some point, I've got a headband in my hand, my three-year-old daughter Caroline's pink headband with a little ribbon on it, and I don't have hands for it, so I just put it on my head, and we're carrying stuff in. And about an hour later, we're sitting down for dinner, and my kids start laughing at me, which is not totally uncommon, but I can tell something is going on. And uh, eventually, they, they point to my head, and I realize, like, I've had this thing on the whole time. Hang with me here. This is us and God. We just forget what we have. We're just going through life. We're just setting the table. We're just doing our homework. We're just having our life. And we forget what we have, that Jesus is with us. We forget this all the time. 
And one of the things that we, that we have to do uh, is to let go of the expectation that if you're a Christian, then you're going to have these exceptional moments. And instead, we get to be freed by the truth that actually the joy and nearness of Jesus is to be experienced in normal moments, in common days, because Jesus is a Savior who has come close to us, who says that every single thing you do is a moment of participating with me in my life. A common day and a close Savior. Uh, lastly tonight, a confident, a confident labor. I, 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 the other reason I like this story is because that they are having a pretty bad night until Jesus shows up. They're not catching anything. And then uh, this, this miracle happens. Jesus arrives, and he gives them instructions. It's one of those things where I, I don't even know if this is really a miracle or not. Like, I don't know if Jesus made those fish go in the nets. I don't know if from Jesus' angle on the shore, he could just see that there was a shoal of fish there, and all they had to do, they just had missed it all night, and that's where it was. I, I don't know. I don't, think it, I don't think it really matters. I think we're actually, what we're actually seeing is that Jesus is orchestrating a scene to give us a moment, a glimpse into what life with Jesus as the risen Lord is like. Okay? And here, so here's the scene. You've got these disciples, and they're in a boat together. That's us. That's God's people. That's the church of Jesus. Life together. We're actually meant for that. We're actually meant to do life in community. And the boat is in the water, a place that is uh, unknown, that is perilous, where it's hard to see, where the currents and eddies and wind can shake you and move you about and even tip you over if you're not careful. That's, that's the world we live in. That's your world here. If you're someone who has faith in God, I'm sure not everyone here does, but we're this, in this boat together and we're in this place that doesn't really understand it and doesn't really appreciate it and where it's really confusing and really tempting and really disorienting and really scary. And Jesus is close to us. And when Jesus is close to us, it means we're going to catch a ton of fish. It means we're going to catch a ton of fish. It, here's what it means. It means that your labor... Your efforts in trying to follow God are not in vain, even though it feels like they are. Do you guys know those moments where you feel like you've been, like you've been really working hard, you've been really trying to follow God, you've been really like resisting those temptations, and then all of a sudden you, like, you blow it on a stupid mistake? Do you guys know those feelings where you've, like, you've been trying to get up every morning this week and read your Bible in college and you've done it for a week, but you like didn't feel anything. Like you don't, you didn't have some supernatural, amazing kumbaya fireside experience with Jesus. Instead, you're just tired because you missed some sleep. You ever had experience of feeling like you're just, like you're showing up to stuff? You're going through life. You're just going through the motions. You hear every week that God loves you so much, and you're like, "Well, where is he? He doesn't feel very near." You ever felt like that? Of course, you have. The encouragement of this passage is that you actually can be really confident that even when it doesn't look like it, God is doing really big things. In your efforts to live a holy and pure life, which you mess up at, God is still doing big things. When you read your Bible and you don't feel a thing in your heart, God is doing big things. When you uh, reach out to a freshman and they never text you back, God is doing big things. 
when you show up to a small group and you're the only one there, God is doing big things. When you're doing your homework and walking around campus and sitting in D Hall, God is doing big things because He is near. And His work is disconnected from what we can see. We look around and we don't see any fish. We work all night, we don't catch any fish. And Jesus is giving us a glimpse here of what's really happening is that there's a ton of fish being caught. The good things are happening and that we actually are a part of that even when we don't feel it, even when we don't look like that's happening from the outside. A couple of points of application tonight, okay? Uh, here's, the, here's the first thing. Here's my first encouragement to you. Stay in the boat. Stay in the boat. Stay in the community of God's people. That is where encouragement and friendship and life are going to be experienced. Stay in the boat, okay? You need, to make, you need to make your Christian community, you need to make Christian friendships a priority in your life, okay? Here's the second thing. When you need to, when God is leading you to, jump out of the boat if it will bring you nearer to Jesus. Jump into the waters, take a risk, take a chance, do something crazy if it's something that will bring you nearer to Jesus. You've got to jump out of the boat sometimes, y'all. And the second thing is this, is that when you feel like you're getting nowhere or when you feel disappointed in yourself, and this happens to us all the time where we feel like we have this idea in our head of what a Christian is supposed to do and believe and act and we're like not measuring up to that. We just feel a little inadequate, a little guilty. Just be patient and pray. Pray like the psalmist says in Psalm 50 when he says, Psalm 90, he says, establish the work of our hands. God's going to do big things even when you can't see it. My, uh, my favorite book in high school was uh, a book called Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. I don't know if you guys have, have read or Ender's Game. Is, it's a movie now as well. But Ender's Game is about this boy named Ender, and he's this crazy, prodigy, freak, genius child. Uh, and he is being uh, trained up in this battle school to be a, a military officer because the Earth in this future scenario is at war with these aliens that they call the buggers. And so Ender goes to school, and really all they do at school is they play games. They play video games, and they play actual kind of zero-gravity, laser-shooting, team-to-team battle games. And as he kind of rises through the ranks and he advances to different levels of school, he eventually gets to a point where he is playing this one same game every day. And it's, a, it's an arcade-style video game, pretty high-tech compared to what we're used to. Where he's in this space, and he's got a headset on, and he's got this big screen. And every day... He plays this game where he can actually hear the voices of uh, other kids he knows uh, on his headset. And he's directing them as sort of like battalion leaders of these squads of spaceships. And they're fighting in this simulation against the buggers. And so every day he wakes up and for hours and hours he plays this game, this simulated war game against the buggers. And some days, uh, eventually he's doing two uh, two of these. And all he does basically is play this game and try to get a couple hours of sleep, play this game, try to get a couple hours of sleep, and he's just exhausted. Eventually he has like a physical breakdown. He passes out, can't play the game for two weeks, and he gets at it again. He's playing the game, he's playing the game. It's all he does. This video game, war game, with fake little particles of light on the screen that represent these ships. And uh, eventually the day of his final exam comes, and uh, all, these, all these adults, all these grown-ups are in the room watching him. And he thinks this is a little strange, but, you know, whatever. I guess if I do well, I'll graduate, and I'll finally go to the next school. And so uh, the, the hardest test, the hardest video game comes on, and he directs his friends and their fleet, and they, and they win. 
And after they win, everyone starts screaming and crying and hugging and laughing. And he doesn't understand what's going on. And eventually they start to explain to him, uh, it wasn't a game. That was real. (laughs) Those ships that you were moving around that you thought were on a video game, those were actual ships out in space that you were controlling. And those aliens ships that they were fighting against were actual alien ships. This thing that you thought was just a game, this thing that you thought was just tedious, this thing that was just exhausting you, this thing that you were just going through the motions of day in and day out, you actually accomplished the saving of the human race. You actually saved the planet. You actually accomplished the most heroic victory in the history of mankind. It it will feel like you're just going through the motions. It will feel like you're just exhausted from this life. But a day will come when you are with the Lord where you will get to see your life the way he has seen it, where you get to see the world the way he sees it, that you're going through the motions has been epic and legendary because it has been a life of faithfulness and a life of love and a life of the fight for goodness and truth and beauty. And you can't see it always. I think usually you can't. I think usually we're just trying to make it through the day. But in those common moments, God is doing big things because the risen Lord has drawn close to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you in the midst of this common day, this ordinary day, in this ordinary moment, in this ordinary space, with the hope and confidence that you are doing big things in us and through us and around us. Lord, I pray that you would give us a hope and confidence when we can't see it and when we don't feel it. And I pray that you would give us the joy of nearness to you, not in the mountaintop moments, but in the ordinary moments of our life. Thank you that you care about us so much that you don't just wait for those moments to be near us, but you are near us every moment and even now. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.